Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for the privilege of being children of the kingdom. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the illumination of the Holy Spirit, and we would ask that as we are led and guided into all truth, that our lives would echo that of the kingdom, that that as it is in heaven, so it would be on earth, Lord. We want to be an echo of who you are in this world. And we will see it come to pass in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're on week five of a series entitled uh, Kingdom, Kingdom Favor. That's the secret word, right? Favor, the favor of the Lord. And as we've seen that there wasn't a person in the Bible that accomplished anything in the kingdom for God that didn't have God's favor upon their life. Even Mary, the mother of Jesus, found favor in the Lord's sight to accomplish an awesome task of bringing the Savior into the world. At last week, we've seen that um, Joseph had the favor of God on him. And we pointed out that no matter what your situation is, God can bring you from the lowest prison all the way up to ruler over a nation. And I'll just repeat this because it takes a while for it to sink in. There is not a person in this room whose life is worse off than Joseph's was. But the Lord was with him, and he was a successful man, the Bible says. Daniel found favor, and through four kings, was second in charge in in a foreign Babylon government. He had so much influence on on the Babylonians that hundreds of years later, they sent their wise men seeking out the one that Daniel prophesied. Esther, a young girl in bondage, in a foreign land, in captivity, the favor of God came on her, and she became queen. Nothing is impossible for our God. Nothing is impossible for our God. And as born-again believers, we have been put into Christ. And the word Christ is the same word as Messiah. A lot of people think that that was Jesus' last name, Jesus Christ. But no, it was his title. And it means anointed one. And when God by the power of the Holy Spirit, put you into Christ, what did he put you into? The anointed one. So that the favor of God can rest upon the church. In Galatians, chapter 2, it reads, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. I'm going, to have a lot, I'm going to have a hard time getting through some of these scriptures here because it's so rich. I mean, how can you get past that right there? That you are a son, you are a daughter of God. What would, if we got out of bed in the morning with that realization, with that on the forefront of our mind, that a son and a da- or a daughter is getting out of bed this morning. You're going to work. You're going to school. Wh- wherever you're going for that day, a son or a daughter is going there. As Pastor Tom was talking about, bringing that presence of God, that kingdom of God, that atmosphere into every area of your life. Could the church just at least start believing, toying with the idea of what the Bible says about us. That we are sons and daughters of God by faith 
in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So right now, most of us have a religious idea of what baptism is. We think when we were sprinkled as a baby or we were dunked, and it, we think of a religious service. We think of something that um, really, it's like an initiation process. It's like, uh, what do they call that? Um, hazing to get into a college fraternity. We've got to dunk you in water. And we have no clue what that means. The word baptism, baptizo, means to dunk. It means to dunk. They use that word baptism to, to um, when they describe dunking cloth into water. If you've been here, you've heard this teaching. But you need to know this. They dunked cloth into a dye. So they took a white garment, they dunked it into purple dye, and when they pulled the garment out, the garment was purple. It was welded together. It was submerged in that dye, and it became one with that dye. When you were baptized, you were submerged, you were dunked, and as it says right here, you were submerged into Christ. So you can't tell where you are and where Christ is. You have been welded. We've been married. We've been joined. We're in union with God. That's, that's, that's amazing. You were baptized, submerged into Christ, and you have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Right there, that's the answer to all these identity problems that we have in our country right now. It doesn't matter what you were. You are in Christ. You are of Christ, and no matter what your station in, in life, no matter if you're a slave, no matter if you're a Jew, no matter if you're a Greek, guess what? You have the same ability. You have the same um, power. You have the same, the same blessing. You have the same promises of everyone that is in Christ Jesus. We are all on an equal plane filled with God, and all things are possible in our life because of Christ. We don't have an excuse I've been studying some stuff, and one of the things that they would talk about as far as how life, how, how you overcome in life, you know, the first, first stage is your circumstances, what happens in your life. And everybody thinks that's the most important. We always focus on what has happened to me, and that's not the most important. The most important thing is the second stage. What do I believe about those circumstances? What do, what do I believe about myself in the midst of those circumstances? What do I believe about God in the midst of those circumstances? Do those circumstances define me? Do I believe that those circumstances define me? Or do I believe that I'm in Christ Jesus? Do I believe that God defines me? And no matter what the circumstances of life throw at me, it's just a launching pad for where God wants to take me. See, if, if, we, if we understood this, we'd understand why James said, count it all joy when you enter all, all manner of trials and tribulations. So you read that and you think, what's, what's James, James talking about here? Count it all joy. Count it all joy when bad things happen in my life. Count it all joy when I enter trials and tribulations. Yeah, because it's an opportunity to see the manifest glory of God in your life. What do you believe about that moment? Is that moment going to define who you are? Or is it an opportunity to allow God to, find, to, to show you who he is? Okay, hurry. And if you are in... If you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. If you are Christ, are you Christ this morning? 
Do you know what the Bible says? You are Abraham's seed. What's that mean? See, Abraham had, as we're going to see, had two offsprings. He had the offspring of the flesh, which is Isaac. He had Ishmael too. We're not going to talk about that one. He had Isaac that birthed the nation of Israel, right? But then he had a spiritual offspring that was faith by righteousness. We are Abraham's seed, not because of the flesh, but because of our faith. He is the father of our what? Faith. And we are heirs to the promise. Heirs to what promise? Have you ever thought about that? What promise are we heirs to? Well, let's look at Paul's letter to the Romans as he talked about the same subject. He's talking about Abraham here, and he tells us what we're heirs to. In Romans chapter 4, verse 13, it says, For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not, not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but to righteousness of faith. What is the promise that we are heirs to? That we'll go to heaven one day? No. Even though we are going to go to heaven one day. But we skip this. This is why so many people have miserable lives. So many Christians have miserable lives because they don't realize of what we're called to here on earth. We're just gripping the back of the pew and just holding on until Jesus comes back. When we are supposed to be occupying, we are supposed to be ambassadors, we are supposed to be living a life worthy of our calling. And it says in Romans chapter 4, verse 13, it says, he was heir of the world. Heir of the world. This world right here. Jesus destroyed Satan. He destroyed the curse. He destroyed everything that was coming against humanity through the fall of Adam. The second Adam, where the first Adam failed, the second Adam was victorious. And we are supposed to be living out that victory here and now in the earth. This is going to be a, it's going to be a hard one today because we, got, we, we need a wake-up call. We need to be shaken. Heir of the world. Are you Christ? If you are Christ, it just said that we are heirs of the promise. And the, and the promise was that... At, Abraham would be the heir of the world. You are an heir of the world. You are an heir of the world. Circumstances aren't supposed to happen to you. You're supposed to happen to circumstances. There is nothing you can do to deserve God's promise of being an heir to the world. See, this is where so many people miss it. The promise is yours because you are Christ's. It is your inheritance. An inheritance is just like a gift. You can't earn it. You can't do anything to, 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 to get paid for it. It's not a wage that we earn. It's a gift. It's something that we have because we are children of the king. God wants you to receive your inheritance of all the blessings and promises and benefits of Jesus' finished work that he accomplished on your behalf. You know, there's a strange scripture that talks about entering into the rest of Jesus, entering into his rest. And, it's, and it says, let us labor to enter into that rest. It's hard to believe only. It's hard to not to think that you have to do something to receive. It's hard to have faith in Jesus Christ and his finished work only. Because our carnal nature, that Adamic nature, that nature of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thinks that we have to do something. And if your heirs of... 
the kingdom of, if you're heirs of the world, we should be reigning in life. Reigning in life. The fact that God wants you to be an heir of the world makes it clear of his desire to see you living an overcoming and victorious life. This means he wants you to reign. He wants you to reign over every sickness, disease, financial lack, fear, addiction, and anxiety. Now listen, can we at least start at least thinking this way? Can we at least be a little bit different from the world? Can we at least, you know, every religion has all these ideas of what, uh, what it means to not be in the world or be of the world. You know, they, they say, some people say you're not supposed to, women aren't supposed to wear makeup or men aren't supposed to have long hair. You're not supposed to have tattoos. You're not supposed to listen to rock and roll music. You're not supposed to, you've got to wear a dress if you're a woman. Now, i got to preface that because now we got men that want to wear dresses. But anyways, it's just the identity thing. We are in Christ. He's our identity. But anyways, that's not what it means. It doesn't, it doesn't mean to look weird to the world. It means that your life, your overcoming life, your victorious life should be so different from the world that our marriages, that we'd have husbands that truly would lay their life down for their family. Wouldn't that be weird in this, in this world? Wouldn't that be different? We wouldn't be of this world if we had uh, husbands that loved their wife as Christ loved the church. Wouldn't it be weird? Wouldn't it be strange if, if, if in this day and age we had women that seen their vital role as the helpmate that they are in the family, that they, they create... They, they are the, they are the, the ministers of the home that create an environment that it's like a sanctuary. It's a safe place. Wouldn't it be something if we, if we have women that, that build up and encourage their husbands in to be the man of God that they're called to be? Wouldn't that be strange? Wouldn't that be different than this world? We have husbands that love their wives, with, that's willing to die for their wives. And we have wives that are just like their biggest supporter, their cheerleader, their, their encourager to, to believe God, to be all that they can be. Wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be different if, if instead of stressing over, out over finances, we actually were a people that believe that my God shall supply all my needs according to his, his riches in Christ Jesus. Wouldn't that be something if we weren't anxious or have anxiety over things like that? Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be interesting if, if we were a people that tapped into the wisdom of God and, and when the world's falling apart, when the business, your, the business that you're working at are having issues and, and troubles, when the school systems, when the government, when all these things that don't have an answer and they just try different things and, and it fails, but they keep on doing the same thing the same way and expect a different result. Wouldn't it be something if, if we were a people that tapped into the wisdom of God and we had answers and solutions for today's problems? Wouldn't it be interesting if we loved our neighbors as ourselves? Wouldn't it be interesting if we had no gods before our God? See, that's what it looks like to be different from the world. It's not some outward appearance or action that we do. It's not being strange or weird or twerky. But it's actually having the kingdom of God living through us so there is a mirror in the face of humanity showing the difference between the Christian, the kingdom of Christ, and the kingdom of this world. Whatever you're struggling with right now, guess what? Jesus 
wants to help you to reign over it. Grace was given not to turn a blind eye to our shortcomings and failures and sin, but to empower us. The Bible says where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. It's that divine favor of God that lifts us up and empowers us and gives us the ability to do above and beyond we could ever hope or dream of. In Romans chapter 5, verse 17, it says, For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one. See, this is that, that, that two kingdoms. This is that mirror I was talking about. Through one man, death reigned. Who was that one man? Adam, right? Through Adam, death reigned. And in a lot of people's lives, death is still reigning. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. And sin is, is, is just not, sin is living a life separate from the life in the spirit of God that, that God intended humanity to live in. Do you understand that? Sin, sin isn't, the actions that people do when they sin is just a root of what they believe about themselves. And it's about not being in the kingdom. It's about not receiving the Spirit of God. God's Word promises that those who receive an abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more, much more, much more, those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. We are called to reign in life. Not to have life reign over us, but in our circumstances to reign over us, but for us to reign over our circumstances, for us to reign over life. Do you know that word grace there? Do you know what that word grace means in the Greek? It means divine favor. Unmerited favor. How are we supposed to be reigning in life? Through the favor of God. See, the main, the main word here is receive. Reigning in life is not a struggle. It's always a tell if you're in faith. Because the just shall live by what? Faith, right? Faith is what pleases God. It's impossible to please God without faith. The Bible says. So whenever you're struggling, whenever there's a burden, whenever there's anxiety, it's a, those are just red lights. It's kind of like the idiot lights on your car. When those come on, it says, you better take it to someone knows what's going on. So when there's fear, anxiety, worry, all of this stuff just, just tormenting you, it's an idiot light. Take it, take yourself to the master. Take yourself to Jesus. Take yourself to the Holy Spirit. And let him work with you to show you and guide you and, and to build faith. How, do you, how does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And it's just not any word of God. That, that word God there is the word Christos, which means Christ. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. Hearing about who you are in Christ, hearing the gospel, hearing what Jesus Christ has done in your life. Reigning in life is not a struggle. The only thing you need to do is receive. Receive not just divine favor, but abundance of favor. You need to continually be asking God for his favor to rest upon you. Just continually receiving more and more and more favor of God. You should be greedy for the favor of God. Most of us don't even know, until we started this, this series, you didn't even know that anything about the favor of God. You didn't even know that God wants to, to anoint you. He wants to smear you. That's what that word anoint means. It means, you know, when you get a piece of bread and you just mather that butter all over it and it melts down into the bread, yeah, homemade bread. But anyways, 
You, you anointed that bread. God wants to anoint you with his favor. And again, can we just, can we just start at least entertaining that thought? Let's just start entertaining it. Because what happens is you start thinking this way. You start entertaining that thought, and all of a sudden you just, you just start expecting. You should be expecting God's favor to show up everywhere. I mean, people make fun of people that say I, that they believe God for parking spots. You know, God doesn't have time for, you know, with hunger and everything going on in the world, starving people, genocide, all this. You think God really cares about your parking spot? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. When, when I pull into a, par, into a busy mall or a store and I don't find a parking spot right up front, I think, that's weird. That's weird. We need to start thinking that way. You need to start thinking every area of your life that the favor of God is on me and I am a success. I am not alone in this situation. The Lord is with me, and I am a success. As we've seen last week, we had Joseph tied to a, a slave post, being auctioned off into slavery, stripped naked, sold as an animal, and it says, and the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. I don't think none of us has been that like that. Do you know the Lord is with you right now? And you might not see it, but the Lord sees that he's with you and he calls you a successful man. He calls you a successful woman. Can we just entertain, just start entertaining that a little bit? You know, I'd rather get to heaven and, and get to heaven and say, have God tell me, you know, Chad, you believed, you believed a little too much about me. You, you believed I was a little too good. You, be you believed that Jesus accomplished a little too much. I don't think we're going to do that. You know what I think? I think we're going to get to heaven, and when it says that he wipes away the tears from their eyes, it's because we're going to, we're going to, have, we're going to see how below the standard that Christ redeemed us that we lived. How, how much that God wanted to do through us, but we didn't trust him. And I don't say this to put a condemnation or guilt or anything like that on you. I just want to stir you up that whatever God has put in your heart, no matter how foolish it is, you know, there's stuff that God's put in my heart about this church in Little Vassar, Michigan. I can't even share it with you because you think I'm stupid. But if God put it in your heart, he'll bring it to pass. He will bring it to pass, and it's through his favor. And all we are is instruments. We just do it. Believing God will come through. So we're supposed to be leaving abundance of, of favor. Abundance of favor and the gift of righteousness. You can never have too much favor. Jesus wants you to keep receiving and receiving until you have an abundance of favor to the point that you are reigning in life. But we can disqualify ourselves. How do we disqualify ourselves? Is it because we sin? Well, this is a sin, but it's not the sins that the church usually talks about. What disqualifies you from reigning and receiving the promise? See, although the Bible is perfectly clear on this, many believers still think that if they fall short, let's, let's say that if you get sick, okay? Let's just use that as a, for instance. A lot of religious people think if something bad like that happens in their life, that it's, that it's because they did something wrong. That they think that if they fall sick, it's because they failed to obey God in some area of their life. First of all, God's not the one dishing out sickness and disease. There's no sickness in God for him to give. Do you, ever, do you realize that? Do you know if God comes into any situation, he, it, it heals? Because he only has healing in him. He only has life. If God was to come into any situation in your life, if, if you allow God to come in your marriage, do you know that he can only bring restoration? You know, 
If there's not restoration in your marriage, guess what? You're not letting God in. God only has restoration. God only has forgiveness. God only, God only has healing. Do you know, if you let God get in your finances, guess what? There's only, I, I know I'm, getting, I'm treading on dangerous water areas here. He doesn't have poverty to give. God doesn't have poverty. Poverty is of the curse. It's of the fall. No human on the face of the earth was ever to live in poverty. It's disgusting and it's terrible. And, and so many religious people deem it as being holy or, uh, or like a, uh, what do they call it? A, um, like a righteous thing to live with poverty. You know, read, read, read Jesus' parable of the, the talents. If you want to find out what God thinks that you should be doing in your life. That's, I've been, we're going to be studying that here in a little bit. And it just slaps me up the more I read it, how brutal that is. He called, he called the servant that, that took and hid the master's money, hid it away because of fear. He called him an evil servant. God wants you to believe big. God wants you to do big things. God is all, when God gets involved, there's always increase. The very first thing that he told man is to be fruitful and multiply. That's what God's all about. Increase, increase. Where are we? I don't know. The Bible's clear on what disqualifies us. But most of us think that when we have failures and we have circumstances that come into our life, we, we think that we've missed God. We failed to do something. There's something we have to do. Maybe we have to tithe more. Maybe we have to pray more. Maybe we have to serve in church more. What, you know, maybe we have to fast. I, I don't know. And that's how the majority of the church leadership has taught the, church, the body of Christ. They programmed us to think this way. Let's be honest. When something negative happens in your life, do you look to yourself and ask, where did I miss it? What have I done wrong? Where where did you get that from? Where did you get that? That's the wrong question. Christianity is not about what you have done. It's about what Christ has done. It's the wrong question. The question we should be asking is not what have I done wrong, but where have I believed wrong? What we believe is critical. It's called faith. And that's what we're supposed to be living by. Look at Romans chapter 4, verse 13. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to the seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. The promise of God does not come through you keeping the law. So if you're trying to keep the law of God to earn the promise, guess what? You've disqualified yourself. And what do you do when something negative happens? You look to you. What did I do wrong? What do I have to do? Right? And you disqualified yourself. Because God's not going to let his promise be manifest in your life because of you. He's only going to let his promise be manifest in your life because of Jesus. Look what it goes on to say, verse 14. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect. Wow. You can't get any clearer than that. I mean, you'd have to go to seminary or cemetery or whatever that is to, uh, to get this confused. For if those who are of the law Our heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect. 
Because the law brings about wrath. Well, there you go. What is the, people blame God, you know, the wrath of God is going to come upon you. No, the law brings wrath. God does not bring wrath. And we love the law. You want to know why we love the law? Is because then we can judge one another. The law, all it is, is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil amplified. It's God saying, okay, if you want to know what's good, what's evil, here's, some, here's a guideline. And if you, now that you know what's good, when you do evil, guess what happens? Wrath. The law brings wrath. Now look what it goes on to say. Because the law brings about wrath for where there is no law, there is no transgression. So if you're no longer in the law, guess what? You can't transgress the law. And you guys, some people are getting uncomfortable. You're saying, so we can live any way we want? I'll tell you the same thing that Martin Luther did. Someone asked Martin Luther, so are you saying that we can just live any way we want? And he said, absolutely. Now, how do you want to live? See, if you want to live in sin, if you want to live, you need to get born again. Christians, a true believer is not looking for a way to sin. They're looking for a way out of sin. We, we played with that. We've we seen where that leads. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to Grace, grace and faith. It's God's favor shed abroad on humanity through Jesus Christ, and it's what we do with that truth. Do we believe it? Do we trust in it? Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be, made, be sure to all the seed what seed is he talking about? He's talking, well, let me continue. I, not only to those that were under the law, but also those who were of faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. So what is he saying there? He's saying those that are under the law, guess what, were the Jews. Gentiles were never under the law. You were never under the law. That was an old covenant. You were never under the law. Are any of you guys Jews in here? See, none of you were under the law. So why would you put yourself under an old covenant? That's why we're Charis New Testament Church. Charis means grace. New Testament means we are under the New Testament. He says that Abraham, that it's a faith so that both those that were under the law and those that are of faith, both can receive the promise. How? Through faith. God took one man and one nation, and through the one man and one nation, he brought the whole world into Christ Jesus. That, God is, <laughs> that is smart. He's awesome. Because Abraham is the father of us all. He's the father to, of the Jews through the flesh, and he's the father to the Gentiles through faith. And if you are in faith, you are Abraham's seed and heirs to the promise that you are heirs of the world. This, this is awesome. Just think if we started, just think if we taught our kids this, that they grew up thinking that the world wasn't against them, that they, they, can, they can conquer the world. I mean, we're, we're, people are talking, talking about going to Mars and all this stuff. The sky's the limit for our kids. I don't care if you came from Vassar, Michigan. They, one of the, one of the um, hottest rappers right now, NF, he's a Christian rapper, he went to the top of the charts over all, all areas with his last album that he came out with. Top-selling album in the nation. Guess where he's from? Gladwin, Michigan. That's amazing. We got one of his albums. It's pretty good. I think we got two of them. But it's funny because, well, I won't go there. Anyways, anything is possible. 
Do you believe that you are righteous by works, or do you believe that you are righteous by faith? This is a question. These are things that you need to ask yourself. Are you righteous today because you showed up at Karis New Testament Church so God is pleased with you because of something that you did? Do you know, <laughs> this isn't for good for business, but do you know that God would be just as pleased with you if you sat at home today? Because you're in Christ Jesus. He, he'd love you just as much. We don't come to church. You shouldn't go to church. There's so many people that go to church trying to get God because they want God to like them more. They think that they need to do that to, for God to like them. We come to church for our sake, for our benefit, so we can be equipped, so that we can be trained, so we can be trained in the things of God and in the kingdom of God, be edified and lift up. We're supposed to come to church because we love one another and we serve one another and we want to pray for one another and we want to be there for one another. We want to be used by God. We want to be used by God. If you're not seeing a manifestation, this is going to be harsh, but I'm this is questions I have to ask myself. If you're not seeing the manifestation of the blessing, whether in the area of health, finances, relationship, or career, it's, it's because you are trying to earn God's blessing through the law and your performance. When those blessings come, when those blessings come only through righteousness of faith, See, we don't even understand that. What is righteousness of faith? That means that you're in right standing with God, independent of any actions that you have done. You're in right standing totally based on the action of Jesus Christ. Your faith in Jesus Christ makes you right with God. Do you know as you sit here right now, you are right with God? Do you know when you get to heaven, you won't be any more righteous than you are right now? Why? Because God made him who knew no sin to be made sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God. Can you be any more righteous than God? I got to hurry. Where are we? So you might be asking, don't I think that our performance is important? I absolutely do think that our, import, uh, our performance is important. But I believe that our Performance as husbands, wives, parents, employees, children of God is a result of believing that we are righteous by faith. Right living is a result of right believing. Right living is a result of right believing. Do you know why people struggle with sin? It's because they're told over and over again from religious people that you're just an old sinner. If you're an old sinner, guess how you're going to act? If you believe you're an old sinner, guess what? You're going to sin. But what happened if you heard just as much over and over again that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? As Jesus is, as Christ is, so are you in this world. You have been born from above, not with corruptible seed, but incorruptible seed. That the Spirit of God lives within you, and you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. What, what if that's, what you are, that's your identity and that's what you always thought about yourself? I got to go. Kingdom. Kingdom. When the king puts his dome over you, then you have kingdom. The dominion of the king. See, now understanding this is why so many Christians are miserable in life, and they're just hoping and waiting to go to heaven one day. We need to understand that salvation is so much more than going to heaven one day. The kingdom of God is now, Jesus said. When you were born again, you were born of the Spirit of God, and he puts the kingdom of God here right in our midst on earth. And wherever you go, you go under the radius of that dome of his kingdom. The dominion of the king. 
It's the realm of Jesus over Satan. It's the realm of the spirit over the natural. It's the realm of light over the darkness. It's the realm of healing over sickness. It's the realm of provision over poverty. It's the realm of protection over vulnerability. We are in a kingdom. We are under the sphere, the dome of Jesus. This is the New Testament. We are called to walk in a way that the kingdom of God is manifest, and that's where the kingdom favor, divine favor, God's favor is needed. God desires you to walk in his favor so that your salvation, the kingdom of God, becomes manifest as a testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But there is opposition. There's two kingdoms, right? We are in the kingdom of God. There's the kingdom of this present age, right? There's the kingdom of darkness. The Bible makes this totally clear. I mean, do you think that Daniel was thrown into the lion's den just because Jesus needed a good Sunday school story? You ever read that? They were envious of David or Daniel. They were envious of Daniel. Well, Saul was envious of David. Why? Because the favor of God was on him. When the favor of God comes on you, those of the other kingdom will bring opposition. You see it time and time and time in the Bible. Esther had Mordecai. David had Saul. Jesus had the scribes and the Pharisees and Herod. Paul had the Jewish leaders, the false religions of the day, and Judaizers. What were Judaizers? Judaizers says, okay, you can believe in Jesus, but you still need to keep the Ten Commandments. You still need to keep the law of God. You still need to keep the dietary things. And there's Judaizers in our world today that Jesus isn't enough. The early church had the Roman Empire. Why? Because the favor of God rests on the early church so much that the the greatest empire in the world had to come against it, had to try to snuff it out. And what happened? The Roman Empire fell, and the church is still going on today. Every single man-made kingdom the very first thing they do is try to get Christianity snuffed out. China, Russia, any, anywhere where a man is trying to make his own kingdom, they have to get the kingdom of God out because it's, it's in straight opposition. Look at what it says about Joseph. We studied him last week. In Acts chapter 7, verse 9, it says, And the patriarchs, becoming envious, sold Joseph into Egypt. But God was with him and delivered him out of all his troubles and gave him favor and wisdom in the presence of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and made him governor over Egypt and all his house. They were envious of him. They were envious of The favor of God resting on him. Look what it says about the early church, the first century church. In Acts chapter 17, verse 5, it says, But the Jews who were not persuaded became envious and took some evil men from the marketplace and gathered a mob, set the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, These who have turned the world upside down have come here also. I believe that God wants the church to be so anointed with his favor, with so much favor, with the abundance of favor, that we flip this world right side up again. They said it was upside down. They flipped the world upside down. I believe that when when we flip it upside down, we're flipping it right side up. But they were envious. They were envious. They chose not to believe in Jesus, but they were envious on the favor that rests upon the church. That's why the church needs corporate favor. The early church had corporate favor. Do you know that? There there is something so important about becoming a partner, becoming knitted together in 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 a body of believers, in a community for change. There is a corporate favor that comes on it. Paul talks about this. The Philippians, um, 
he talks about the Philippians. No one, no one helped him financially except the, the Philippians. And he said that they partnered with him. And then he says, my God shall supply all your, your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. He says, my God, not your God, Philippians, my God. He says, when you, because of your partnership, the favor that is on me comes on you. Do you understand that? We, me and my wife personally, we give to Andrew Olmec Ministries. We give to Joseph Prince Ministries. Why? Because we see the work that they're doing. We see the message that they're preaching. And we desire for, to partner, to be a part of that. We can't go and work with them, but we can send them money. And we expect that favor that is on their ministry to come on us. And listen, it works. Because for the last, what, two years, I have been talking about the, the spheres of influence, the seven mountains, all of that. And it's no coincidence that as I spent all that, that time researching that, studying that, the whole Karis Bible College platform is now coming around that teaching. I don't have a line with them. I don't, that is God speaking to me the same thing that he's speaking to them. That's amazing. That's amazing, and that's what favor, that is what partnership, that's what being connected will do. But there is a corporate favor. The church needs corporate favor. Look at this. In Acts chapter 2, verse 46, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. The church is supposed to be having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. Do you know something? That there's a favor of God that can come on a body of believers. There's a favor of God that can come on a body of believers where you don't have to go out and sell Jesus. Have you ever had someone do that to you, try to sell you Jesus? And it feels cheap. It feels like they're just, they're just trying to win you to their side of believing things. All you are is a trophy that they put on a shelf. There, 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 there is a place where, the, where God desires the church to dwell that we have favor with all men, that we, we are in one accord, and that there is, there is a supernatural drawing do you know how many people that I've heard, I've heard this over and over again, and, there, and I think there's, there's, there's hundreds, I'll say thousands, thousands of people out there that are in the same boat. They say, I've been wanting to come to try your church for a long time. There's lots of people that are being drawn to what God is doing in this church. But for Personal, personal reasons, um, they grew up in the church that they're currently in, or they're just afraid of, maybe they're not used to, to as they would call it, religion, and they're afraid to walk in these doors. I believe with all my heart that there's favor on this body, and God is pulling on people's heartstrings. I believe that with all my heart. Where are we? They were praising God. They were praising God. So apparently, when you spend time in the presence of God, it puts more favor on you. Favor, when you're likable, because it, it, the kingdom favor is an attracting force. It, it's very attractive. The people love Jesus. We, we, we studied that in an earlier message. That Who hated Jesus? Those that were trying to set up their own kingdoms. Not the kingdom of God. The scribes, the Pharisees, Herod, they all hated Jesus. But everyday people, they loved Jesus. They listened to him gladly. The scribes and Pharisees sent, sent the uh, temple guards to go arrest Jesus. They came back without him. And they said, we never heard a man speak like this. See, the media likes to paint the church with a scowl on our face. 
They like to represent the body of Christ as just the turds in the punch bowl. They put Al-Qaeda over here, and then they put the church over here, like we're the same. And they find terrible representations of the body of Christ that are so-called Christians. What is the, uh, the crazy Westboro Baptist Church? They, they, you know, they, they get on the media. But I believe that God's raising up people. God's raising up people that has favor on them, both with God and with man. God wants the church in America to have a facelift. He wants the church in America to have favor with all the people. See, a lot of church people get self-righteous on how much we're disliked. That's not the way it's supposed to be. If you're going to be disliked, be disliked for the right reasons. Don't be disliked because we're, you're hateful. Don't be disliked because you're not loving. Don't be disliked because you're, you're not generous. Don't be disliked. Do I need to keep going? God is redefining the church. God is redefining the church in our generation. He's going to release a corporate favor where people are added to the church daily of those who are being saved. We need a facelift. See, most Christians look like they've been baptized in lemon juice. Take a good look at your face in the morning. Take a good look at your face and ask yourself, are you an advertisement for the church? Are you an advertisement drawing people in or you're a reason why they should run? See, (laughs) most Christians are like a toothbrush salesman that's missing all his teeth. It don't, it don't work too good, does it? Right? We're supposed to, we sung it this morning. We're supposed to have joy unspeakable. We're supposed, to be, we're supposed to be the life of the party. Why? Because we have life. We're, I got to In Acts 2.46, it says, So counting, continuing daily in one accord. And that's where we're going to pick up next week. Next week, we're going to look at what it means to be in one accord because we want that corporate favor to rest upon us. And we want to see this church and all churches in this area and surrounding area throughout the world having divine favor come upon them and divine influence in this world turning it right side up. Amen? I try to get through it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you for the revelation of the word of God, that it produces life. It produces life. And this morning, we thank you that we heard the word. We heard the word of Christ and what he has done in our life. And faith cometh. Faith cometh. This morning, a lot of us are just hoping that this is true. Heavenly Father, as we wake up in the morning, may the Holy Spirit remind us that we are a child of God, that we have divine favor on our life, that the Lord is with us and we are a success, that there's nothing impossible for God, that we are not, Lord, sear this into our minds, that we are not defined by our situation, but we are defined by, by you. We have been baptized into Christ, and Christ lives in us. Heavenly Father, we just ask that your kingdom would be manifest as we are fathers, that your kingdom would be manifest as we are mothers, that your kingdom would be manifest in our marriages, that your kingdom would be manifest in our workplace, that your kingdom would be manifest in our bodies, that your kingdom would be manifest in our minds, that your kingdom would be manifest in our bank book, 
that your kingdom would be manifest in every area of our life, that it would be a testimony of the kingdom of God. That we would stand in stark contrast to the kingdom of this world. And it's all, it's all, it's all by what Christ has done, not what we have done, so that he receives the glory and honor, the praise that at his name, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he is Lord of all. We just love you, Lord. We praise you, and we celebrate you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, church.